One of the fun things about Christmas is that it's a time when we tend to go a little bit over the top. Or, or maybe if you're not a person that thinks of yourself as someone as, that goes over the top, we, we can get fascinated uh, with those who do. You know, it's a time of year where people throw uh, big parties or people really try to find like the perfect gift. Or, or some people, it's, it's throwing on the most outrageous holiday sweater or, or putting up the you know, biggest and brightest light display. But it can be a time where we tend to go a little bit over the top. And when it comes to some of the most over-the-top light displays, I actually have a few photos for us to enjoy. Uh, this first one is Clark Griswold's uh, power-surging setup from the movie Christmas Vacation. You know, one of the most over-the-top uh, Christmas light setups. But it's not to be outdone by some of these local examples, like this next one from my neighborhood. Um, it's kind of Clark Griswold-esque. Not the greatest photo, but you can even see there they have like the big words Merry Christmas uh, covered in lights across their, their lawn. Uh, then there's this one, which I would call Christmas Cutout Overload. Uh, I'm not sure if you can count how many characters are on that lawn, but I would say it's a little over the top per square foot. Uh, then there's the more elegant category of this one. Maybe you've seen it on York Road. This is in St. David's. Uh, our family drives by it every year. We did a few days ago, and it is spectacular, uh, but maybe still a little bit, uh, little bit over the top. Then there's some of the other sort of iconic places that come to mind at Christmas, places like Rockefeller Center. You know, one of the most visited sort of Christmas trees and Christmas tree lighting displays in the United States. Or closer to home, our parliament buildings, they do quite a light display at Christmas time. And the American counterpart, the annual White House Christmas decor and display. This is just one photo, but you can scroll through all kinds of photos of like thousands of ornaments and lights and dozens of Christmas trees. It is, is over the top and quite something. Um, and light displays, aren't the only kind of over-the-top extravagance we can be drawn to at this time of the year, because uh, often we're sort of enthralled with the biggest gift givers among us. I think of Oprah and Oprah's favorite things. You know, Oprah may be the most famous gift giver. You know, think of, and you get a car, and you get a car. Although uh, I, I don't have any cars to give you this Christmas, unfortunately. Um, or for the under 30 crowd, YouTube sensation, Mr. Beast, who has become well known for his outrageous and extravagant and even very generous giveaways. Uh, but the truth is, it is kind of a fun season to uh, go a little over the top. And often we have a fascination, if not an obsession, with those who go the biggest. Um, but have you ever noticed how kind of our obsession in life with those who have the capacity to go most over the top, sometimes in like subtle ways inside, can make us somehow feel like we don't measure up. Or like maybe we're missing out on something or missing out on some of the magic. You know, like the, the real magic and meaning of Christmas is somehow reserved for those who can go the biggest. Who, who buy the most and the best gifts, or who throw the biggest parties, or, or you know, put on the biggest displays, or then have the most friends and connections or the biggest following, or who draw the most attention. You know, like somehow, um, the meaning of Christmas is most reserved for scenes like Rockefeller Center, or, or giveaways like Oprah's favorite things, or the places of power and prestige, you know, like the White House. Well, if you can relate uh, to that feeling at all, um, that same feeling was actually true 
2,000 years ago, at the time of the very first Christmas. A time uh, when those who went most over the top ruled the day. In the familiar reading of the Christmas story from Luke 2, which we already heard, uh, the very first line introduces a Caesar Augustus. Uh, he was the first emperor of the Roman Empire and arguably the most powerful person uh, of his day. While some historians say that uh, Augustus was modest relative to his latest successors, you know, being emperor meant going big. It meant living in palaces. It meant ruling from a throne. Um, it meant taking censuses to try to get more money and, and tax revenue. It meant traveling with an entourage, you know, making sure everyone knew you could outdo them in opulence and extravagance. Um, you can actually go back in a photo here where you see uh, this is, although it's in ruins today, this is part of Augustus's home uh, where you can sort of see its grand scale overlooking the Italian landscape. And the next one here shows, you know, a modern rendering of what the interior, some of the interior might have looked like, adorned with the latest in architecture and artwork and fully staffed with servants and maids ready to attend to his every need. Augustus even became so inclined to going over the top that he eventually printed his own face on the Roman coin. You know, the same coins that he sought to earn more of through that first Christmas census. And when it comes to this coin, this is where things actually get really interesting. Um, because in the same way that we can sometimes have that feeling, that go, those who have the capacity to go that, the most over the top, or who enjoy the most opulence or extravagance, you know, that it seems like they have something that we don't, or like they have some sort of inside track to the good life. Because of the success, power, and over-the-top opulence of Caesar Augustus, Augustus himself, and therefore all of the Roman Empire, not only believed that Augustus had something good going on, but that he must have actually had an inside track to God, like no one else on earth. That's actually what the inscription on this side of the coin represents. In Latin here, what it says is divine Julius, as in divine Julius Caesar Augustus. That was his full name, that because of his wealth and his fame and his rise to power, because of his over-the-top luxury and extravagance, the Roman world in the first century came to believe that Caesar Augustus must have been the son of God. It's actually what they ended up calling him, Augustus, the son of God, and that the rest of humanity must have been just too ordinary to get in on the God life. Well, it's in this context uh, where the Christmas story continues as we read in Luke 2, verse 6. It says, uh, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Available for them. Hmm. Friends, the Christmas story um, actually starts out uh, the story of an unplanned teenage pregnancy. And then through Mary and Joseph, it's a story of a disoriented young couple having to travel as foreigners to a backwater town in the far-off countryside. 
It's a story of the terrifying reality of being on the verge of labor and there being no vacancy in the village inn. It's a story of having to be rushed to a stable, to a barnyard, to give birth under some of the most dangerous and vulnerable conditions. It's a story of having no bed to lay a newborn, but instead having to place him in a hay-filled trough, a manger. This is how Jesus came into the world. Jesus, who we put our faith and trust in as the Son of God. You know, Jesus, who the angels announced as the true Son of God coming into the world, but born in a stable rather than a palace, and laid in a manger rather than occupying a throne. You know, born in Bethlehem, which was the smallest of the town of the tribes of Judah, instead of, you know, the capital homestead of Israel's kings, Jerusalem. You know, then Jesus was raised as a lowly carpenter until traveling as an itinerant teacher with no fixed address. All until ultimately facing an unjust criminal's death on a cross. The most humiliating death at the hands of the most powerful person in the world, the thought-to-be Son of God, Caesar. Friends, in a world where having the capacity to go over the top sometimes seems like the only way to the good life, or maybe even to the God life, the good news of Christmas and what we see in the birth of Jesus is that God came in the most ordinary way, for the sake of the most ordinary people, in order to demonstrate his most extraordinary love for everyone. His love that was ultimately epitomized by his sacrificial death on the cross for all of humanity. And if you've ever felt like too ordinary, or like you just don't measure up, especially in this over-the-top season of Christmas, what I want you to know is that what we see in the Christmas story, what we see in the birth of Jesus is that God's love came into the world in the most ordinary circumstances for you, for ordinary people like you and for me and all of us, so that we could receive and experience his love and then uh, participate in his life by sharing and extending his love in the world as ordinary people through ordinary ways together. When it comes to uh, what this can look like, you know, in our lives and in our day, I was struck recently um, when I learned about a number of people from our community, what you might call, who you might call ordinary people, celebrated together uh, the birthday of birthday party of one of their dear friends. Some of you from our St. Catherine's location may know a guy named Ian Walker. Um, Ian's been a dear member of our community for a long time now, originally uh, spending some time staying with us in our shelter when he was in a time of need, uh, but since then becoming uh, just a fixture and a friend to so many. Although in the last number of years, uh, Ian's faced a lot of challenges, particularly health challenges that have made life difficult. Um, but in the midst of it all, I've had the privilege of being on a group thread with a number of these friends who are friends with Ian and rally around him together. And I've just been in awe of the extraordinary love that they've demonstrated for Ian 
You know, in really ordinary ways through, through visits and help with appointments, um, buying groceries, making connections with family members, you know, giving them rides to church, and in the love they've experienced from Ian through his beautiful friendship, you know, his unending gratitude and the extraordinary love, like the love of God that he shares with them. And all of this was sort of highlighted and culminated in the celebration of Ian's 78th birthday uh, just a couple weeks ago in this rented room uh, in his long-term care facility at West Hills Care Facility on Low Street in St. Catharines, one of the most ordinary places and ordinary circumstances you could imagine. And I couldn't think of a more powerful picture uh, of the example of the extraordinary love of Jesus given and received through people in our time, in our day, in some of the most ordinary circumstances. And it kind of made me think, you know, that if Jesus uh, were to be born this Christmas, were to arrive again and come into our world, you know, in this Christmas, in 2023, I wonder how much more likely it would be that Jesus would, would arrive, would show up, you know, in an ordinary place like West Hills Long-Term Care Facility, you know, rather than a place of prestige and power and over-the-top opulence like the White House, you know, for instance. Friends, well, it can be fun uh, to go a little over-the-top at Christmas. Um, what we want you to know and hear today is that at Christmas, through the birth of Jesus, God went over the top in his love for you by coming to earth in the most ordinary way for the sake of all of us as ordinary people to demonstrate his extraordinary love for the world. And that's a love we can know and receive this Christmas. And that is a life that we are invited to participate in together. And I want you to know that that's who we seek to be as a community, ordinary people seeking to participate in and extend the extraordinary love of God, even in ordinary ways, like those friends rallying around Ian and sharing love together. And we invite you to be in part, a part of that. Um, I hope you can know God's love for you this Christmas as we see it in Jesus for ordinary people like you and me. Merry Christmas, everyone.